0: and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and anointed anointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The word of the Lord.
1: All right, let me pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word how would your words speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, help us to know you? Lord, I ask for the Holy Spirit to be here in a special way to, to bridge the gap between a book that is old uh, to our lives today in a way that is real so that we can encounter the real God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today we're talking about prayer, we're talking about the Apostle Paul's prayer. Maybe you've read this passage before, maybe this is your first time, but you, this probably is not the first time that you've heard a prayer. If this is the first time you've heard a prayer, come talk to me, that's really interesting. But we've all like listened to people pray before, or maybe you have memorable prayers that you can remember that stick out in, in your experience. For me, one of those prayers was my dad, growing up, he would pray a very similar prayer almost every night. He would pray, Heavenly Father, would you put a hedge of thorns and a wall of protection around Jonathan? Would you give him a good night's sleep and would he wake up refreshed and ready to go? And that's like pretty close. I mean, maybe he would add some stuff onto it, but he prayed almost the same prayer every night. So I remember that as as a model for prayer. Uh, Some other ones that stick out, well, not so much what they said, but the elders in my church, the church leaders, would often pray and you knew, like as a kid, oh man, an elder's going up front, buckle your seatbelts, this is going to be a long prayer. We're gonna, this is like a four to five minute uh, prayer, which is just an eternity uh, when you're, you're growing up. Uh, when I was working in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, the area, I volunteered with a student ministry, George Mason University, and there was a student there, his name was Jim, and when he prayed, it was like he was just talking to God in the room. It was just, it was so personal, and yet it's like a conversation. And he's already, always kind of his prayers have stuck out to me. Maybe there are people that you hear pray. Maybe it's one of the elders, someone else. that Their style of prayer has, has taught you something. I I pray that today, this prayer can teach us something. That Paul's prayer will stick in our minds, because Paul's prayer is actually the Word of God. <laughs> it has power. It's, it's more powerful than any other prayer you might have heard. This is, this is, this is the Word of God prayed through Paul's lips. And what is prayer? Well, prayer is talking to God, prayer is pouring out your heart to God. Prayer is a, a conversation, it's a listening and a response. It's a speaking, but also waiting. So today we're going to look at this passage a little bit more closely. And I want Paul's prayer to, to, to be an echo for my prayer for you, for us, for this church. That, that this prayer becomes our prayer. This is my prayer for you. And I hope that this prayer, Paul's prayer, will become your prayer for each other for uh, for those around us, for this church, I hope that this week that you'll walk away and say, "Wow, I, I want to pray deeper." Because when Paul prays, he doesn't really pray for those things that we'd expect. Maybe you've uh, uh, been to other churches on vacation, or or even here, and you've listened to the prayers. Well, we usually tend to pray for the sick and those that are under the weather or going through hardships. And we can absolutely pray for those things. Those are not a bad thing to pray for. Those are good things to pray for. But what we encounter Paul praying for here is not that. He does not pray for health, for vitality, for financial success. He doesn't, he doesn't pray for really kind of the things that, that you and I pray for. When you're, when you're in your own prayers, you're asking for this or for that. Paul prays something completely different. So I wanna read the first two verses as Paul begins to kick off this prayer. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So what do we see happening here? We see Paul recognizing two things, that the Ephesians are doing a great job of loving Jesus I have heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. So Paul hears that the Ephesians, they're loving God and they're loving each other. And it just brings Paul so much joy. He says, I, I, I haven't stopped thanking God for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, I think, I think we see this kind of heart response in Paul because he knows this church, He knows the the ministry at Ephesus. Now, he might not know the exact people who are in that church right now, but (coughs) he's been to Ephesus before. Maybe some of you have read the book of Acts. The book of Acts tells the history of the early church, and if you go home tonight and read Acts chapter 19, you will hear about Paul's experience in Ephesus. When he got there, there was actually some believers there already, but Paul began to do these amazing things Uh, miracles, where people would bring like a handkerchief or an apron to him, and he would touch that, and they would take that handkerchief or apron to a sick person, and that sick person would be healed, or demons would be cast out. It was amazing. But it wasn't an easy place to do ministry. There was a spiritual problem in Ephesus, And I want to show you a picture of that spiritual problem. Now this is a temple. This is a temple to Diana or Artemis. She's a goddess and this is a a place where people would worship this false goddess that they might practice uh, the occult or uh, other things that are spiritual in nature and spiritually powerful. This is a place that God would not be worshipped, and you can imagine that a place like this, a big temple now this is a reconstruction of it, this still isn't standing, but you can imagine that this place would just dominate the city, wouldn't you? Apparently, it was so big and so grand that people called it um, well today they call it one of the the seven wonders of the ancient world, and so it dominated the the city life the The economic, the social life. We can imagine that people got their connections, that they grew their business by being a part of this cult to Artemis. And so the Ephesian church has a little bit of a tough time. If you go back to Acts 19, the people are still like giving into witchcraft. They're, they're kind of like these half and half Christians. We're like, yeah, we, we believe in Jesus, we follow him, but they're still practicing some of the ways of the world. And in fact, uh, people, it says uh, the seven sons of Sceva, they tried to kind of take advantage of Paul's power. These, these seven sons, they didn't really believe in Jesus, but they went around trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus and in the name of Paul. And can you guess What happened? It didn't go well. <laughs> they try to cast out a demon, and the, de- and the demon says, you know, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? <laughs> and he beats them up. He, uh, now, it's this demon-possessed man, uh, just to clarify. Uh, but this demon-possessed man beats them up, and they run from the house bleeding and naked. It's an amazing story. And and this story just, like, freaks out the entire uh, body of believers. So the believers bring their books of witchcraft and the occult and paganism and they burn them. And, and, and the scriptures record that these books were worth 50,000 drachmas. I know you guys all have 50,000 drachmas in your, your savings accounts. Uh, one drachma was about a day's, a day's labor. So 50,000 days labor is a lot of money. So they got real about their faith, but then there was this riot at Ephesus because the silversmiths realized, well, if Paul is casting out demons and preaching this gospel, this good news about Jesus, this is going to ruin our idol-making business. Like, our whole economy is built on this place. And so they have a riot. and It does quiet down, but that's really what kind of leads to Paul leaving Ephesus. And so there's this huge history, right? There's this this huge story that Paul has with the people of Ephesus. He's, He's kind of been through times of testing and trial and temptation where the culture has said, don't follow Jesus, follow this other way. And so I think as we look at his prayer that comes next, it really applies to us too, right? Because we don't live in a culture that says, follow Jesus. Our culture doesn't say, you know, it's, it's going to be financially advantageous to you <laughs> to believe in Christ. You know, people are okay with spirituality, but they kind of want you to keep your, your faith and your belief to yourself. Don't tell me about that. And so I think as we look at Paul's prayer our situation isn't exactly like theirs, but I think we can take encouragement. We can take encouragement for what Paul is praying for. So let's begin to look at, at what Paul is praying for. This is my prayer for you, verses 15 through 16, that you may know God. Verse 17 says this. says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. So here we see Paul's prayer. And he asks in kind of this triune, this Trinity format, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit acknowledges all three. And what does he pray for? He prays for a spirit of wisdom. And revelation, so that you may know God. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit, a spirit of wisdom. Acts chapter 6 talks about the Spirit and wisdom, and it's referring to the Holy Spirit. So here it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And what's revelation? Well, it's not just the, the last book of the Bible, Revelations, it's God's revelation, God revealing Himself to us through His Word. It's the Bible. The Old Testament, it's the the New Testament letters that are being written. Paul is saying, may you have the Holy Spirit, may you have God's words that you may know God. So I created a little diagram for us today. I want to put it up on the screen. It talks about how we know God. Now you probably can't read some of those words, but at the top, right, we have God. He's a king, seated on the throne, the heavenly throne, and he speaks to us. God speaks to us. Now, on some occasions, that may be an audible, God spoke to you. But on most occasions, God chooses to speak through his word, through the Bible, but also the Holy Spirit. So I, I have a Bible up there and like a little cloud to symbolize the Holy Spirit, and God speaks to men and to women. So we hear from God, we gotta, we got to pause, listen, so this is one of the reasons that that we encourage you to, to spend time in the Word, to spend time reading the Bible. It's not because we're like, hey, you know, keep doing that cracking the whip. It's because we want you to hear from God. Then, how do we respond to God? Well, we, we respond in prayer. On the right, we, that's how we talk. We, we speak back to God, we pour out our hearts to God. That's what prayer is. And so it's as we hear from God through his word and through the Holy Spirit, like making the, the, the word of God real in our lives and then praying back that we get to know God. Now, this, this letter is not written to you individuals. This is written to you, plural, that you all may know God. God. So it's not just me and my Bible and my personal devotional times that we hear from God. Yes, we can hear from God then. But it's also through the ministry of the church, right? It's right now. You can be hearing from God through preaching. We encourage you to sign up for the youth Bible study or discipleship class or, or a, a community group because we want you to hear from God as you study the Bible and pray together in community. When a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ walks up to you and says, you know, here's some sin in your life that I'm noticing, you need to repent, or on the positive hand they say, I really want to encourage you, (laughs) I am excited about what God is doing in your life, that can also be God speaking to you through them. The Holy Spirit has brought it to their mind and, and wants to encourage you. So there's all sorts of ways that we can hear from God, that we can know God, and that we can pray back. And we need we need the Scripture. We need the Holy Spirit. Because if we, if we just have the Bible and the Holy Spirit isn't there to, to illuminate, to help us understand, are you really going to understand God's Word? Well, no, you're not. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us understand it. And if you just have the Holy Spirit, but you're like, I don't need the Bible, well, then I question whether you actually have the Holy Spirit. See, so we need both so that we may know God so that we can encounter the spirit of wisdom and revelation so the first thing that Paul is praying is just that, that you may know God so I want to pray that for each of us too would we as a church know God at this conference I went to the Four Seas Conference I've shared a, a few insights I got from it the, the Four Seas is our denomination the Conservative Congregational Christian Conference it's a mouthful they have this annual gathering. They can't call it a conference because then you would say conference twice. Uh, they call it an annual gathering. And one of the speakers, uh, Mike Perkinson, uh, he he said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, you know, I wouldn't like it if my daughter came up to me, so I guess he has a daughter, and, and said, you know, Father, would you just would you just use me? Heavenly Father, <laughs> would you just... Use me. Do you ever pray that? Heavenly Father, I just I want to be used by you. Well, first we want to be in relationship with the Father. We want to know the Father. I am really excited for the day that Elijah can like, empty the dishwasher and mow the lawn and paint the house and uh, do all those other things. But I'm much more interested in knowing him. And so often we approach God saying, God, what can I do for you? Give me your your honey-do list. Give me the checklist. And God's just like, I want to know you. I want you to obey me, but I want to know you. This is my prayer for you that you may know God. So I encourage you to pray this for yourself. I want to know you, God. Pray it for your family members. God, help them know you. It's been shaping my prayers this week. All right, what else? So this is my prayer for you, that you may know God. In verse 18, that you may have hope. Let me read verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So the Bible here talks about the heart. And when we think about the heart in our culture today, we often think about like that romantic place inside of you, right? We think about that seat of emotions, what moves you. Oh, man, that was really good for my heart. Or My, my heart's broken. Or, man, my heart's really in love right now. That's how we think about the heart. But in the, in the scriptures, in the Bible, the heart, I think the heart encompasses those things, but it's even more. The heart is more like our identity, who we are. You think about your core identity. Maybe you've never asked that before. Maybe you ask it every day who am I you're saying what is my heart who who is my heart like who am I at my core being and so when Paul says I am praying that your heart uh, I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you he's praying that something about our identity would understand the hope we have that our hope would just be real deep That something would change in our hearts from darkness to light, and we'd be able to see the hope that God has given us. Have you ever been like sleeping in, or maybe it's the middle of the night, and someone flips on the light in your room and you're just like blinded? (laughs) But then you can see. Takes a moment. Paul's praying for that, that light to go on in our hearts. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 2 next week. Uh, and It starts like this. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You know what this tells us? It tells us that our hearts are dark. Apart from God, our hearts are sinful and broken and can't see the truth. And so Paul's prayer is that something would turn on on the inside, that God would deal with our heart, deal with our sins, Raise us from the dead and give us hope. Last week we talked about God's calling. We have been called to hope. And man, what, what hope we have. I don't know if you noticed in this verse. It took me a while to notice it. It says, The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, Whose inheritance is this passage talking about? Is so it talking about my inheritance? Last week we talked about the inheritance that we have. But this, this week it actually talks about God's inheritance. Now think about that for a moment. We have a God who created everything. So what does that, like, what does he own? Everything, right? He owns the universe. He owns the sun. He owns the moon. He owns planet earth he he owns uh this building these chairs everything belongs to god so what more could god want us god wants you god wants me god wants us we're god's inheritance something about you and me is incredibly valuable and precious to god I, I've been trying to let that sink into my heart this week because we don't usually approach God this way, right? <laughs> I, I I maybe this is just true of some people, but I think many of us probably approach God like God, you know, you, you made a mistake, but I'll go to heaven. <laughs> You let me in, like I'm, I'm really the kid that should be chosen last on the sports team or I'm that, I'm that kid that shows up to the party and no one really wants that kid to be at the party but they're like, we're not bad people so we're gonna let the, the kids stay at the party. And that's how we picture our relationship with our heavenly father. God, you don't really want me in eternity. You're not really interested in a relationship with me. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie from the evil one, from Satan himself. God is so excited to know you, to be in relationship with you tonight, tomorrow, and for all eternity. And when you die, there's gonna be this this unveiling, that's gonna be this glorious inheritance that God receives. You're also gonna get an inheritance. Everyone's gonna get an inheritance. There's gonna be this pure joy and satisfaction that we've never received, but then God's also going to receive a type of joy. Receiving you as his inheritance. I think it's really great that Paul is praying that the believers at Ephesus would get this. They would get hope. So it's my prayer for you, and I hope it's your prayer for yourself this week and for the ones you love. That you would get this, that you would get that you are God's inheritance, and that would fill you with hope. So this is my prayer for you. This is Paul's prayer for us, that you may know God, and that you may have hope. And finally, that you may know the Father's power. Verses 19 through 23 say this. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So we have access to power that we, we rarely tap into. We have access to the Father's power, a power that can Change our lives, a power that can change our ministry and change our church, a power that can move around us. And, and Paul, Paul invites us to see how, how great that power is. He gives two examples of God's power displayed, because these really are the, like the greatest moments of God's power. When he raised Christ from the dead. We call this the resurrection. (laughs) When Jesus who died came back to life because God raised him from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't hear about people coming back from the dead very often, especially after being dead for three days. Jesus was raised from the grave by God's power. See the first aspect of God's power that Paul is praying for the Ephesians and for us to understand is resurrection power. Resurrection power is the is the belief that God can spiritually raise. Your neighbor, your family worker, your family, your your coworker, your friends, those people that, that you and I look at and we think, wow, they're lost. They could never know God. If you believe that about someone, then you do not believe in the resurrection. The resurrection is the truth that anyone can be saved by God that God raises dead hearts. The Holy Spirit can come and flip the light on at any moment and he might like to use you in that process. Resurrection power is, is believing that, that God can heal and can work and help me function and thrive in depression or sadness or hardship. That God can get me through those tough moments. Resurrection power Is believing that there is no sin too great for God to forgive. That I can bring anything before Him, any wrong that I've done, and He can wipe that away and and bring me back to spiritual life again. Resurrection power is believing that God can can take a, a ministry or organization that is struggling and give new life to it. That's resurrection power. Resurrection power is believing that even though a nation or a world is divided, God can bring healing and unity. That's resurrection power, bringing life out of death. See, if if Jesus can be raised from the dead, is there anything in our lives that is too big for God to handle? (laughs) I can't come up with anything. And the amazing thing is that God doesn't stop here. He, he, he takes Jesus from, from below the earth into this tomb. He raises him up, and then he ascends, the ascension, ascension power. Now Jesus is seated on the throne, and Paul uses all these words to describe the power that Jesus has, that he's, he's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And his name is the greatest name, Ascension power is believing that Jesus is sovereign over everything. That means that no matter what happens, it's not outside of God's control. Ascension power is believing that he can rule all aspects of our lives, that he's interested in all aspects of our lives, that there's no part of our life that God is not interested in. Ascension power it's the good news that, that God is breaking into this world and He's, he's bringing His kingdom to transform communities and, and churches and lives and nations and peoples. I think I often underestimate resurrection power and ascension power, all that we have in our Heavenly Father. I think that's sin. (laughs) I think that's sin to to not look to, to that power that the Father offers. And So when we come before the cross, maybe for the first time or once again, and we repent of our sins and we put our faith in Christ Jesus, if you've never done that, please do. We want you to experience knowing God and having hope and the power of God. It's as we come before the cross and we remember that Jesus is seated on the throne that it shapes our prayers. See, I want to pray about these sorts of things. So this is the the big idea. This is my prayer for you, that you may know God, that you may have hope, and that you may know the Father's power. And so I want to close by just praying this back and challenge you to pray so, pray this scripture passage sometime this week as you pray for your sons, or your daughters, or your, your parents, or your siblings, your coworkers. As you pray, let this passage guide you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Paul's prayer. Thank you for the way that it leads us. That Paul knew what to pray for, and it was so much deeper than we would normally pray. Father, I pray for every single person in this church right now, whether they're up here in the crying room or downstairs in the nursery. Would they know you? Would this not be just a time of going through the motions, kind of keeping ourselves busy and feeling good about ourselves? Would we encounter a life-giving relationship with you and with your son, Christ Jesus? If there's any that are on the fence they truly commit to knowing Christ. Heavenly Father, we want to know you. Open up our hearts and our minds to your word. Your word can sometimes be really challenging. Ephesians is a great example of that. Would you open up our minds so that we can understand your Word? And would your Holy Spirit breathe it into our lives, make it, make it real, make it true? Make it personal. Would we know you, Father? God, would you give us hope? Would you give us hope in the knowledge that that you're good and that you love us and you love us so much you call us your inheritance? God, every inheritance in this earth falls short of of what we're going to receive one day. It's hard to imagine that that we're that precious to you, that, that we're that valuable to you. But we are. Father, would you help us understand how much we matter to you? Would that fill us with hope? Would our hearts get it? We can only get it if the Holy Spirit makes it real. And Father, would we know your power? Father, I confess that I I often give up, give up praying for those around me, give up believing, give up hoping. Would I believe in the resurrection? Would I believe in the ascension that Jesus is ruling and reigning and that he can raise the dead? Father, would we believe this? Father, for those people that have not experienced spiritual life yet in this room, would you give them resurrection? Would you raise their dead hearts? And Father, for those people in this room that have loved ones that don't know you, would you give them a fresh burst of hope that you can raise the dead? We give thanks for Jenny Pelletier's father who just put his faith in you. That's a picture of resurrection power. And if he can come to you in the later years, any of our parents can come to you. Heavenly Father, help us to give our whole lives to you as you rule and as you reign. Heavenly Father, help us know you. Help us have hope. And help us catch a glimpse of your power. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.